Welcome to episode 6 of Achieving Fitness, where we answer all of your burning questions on all things health, fitness, and business. We're your hosts, Lauren and Jason Pack, and we're on a mission to bring inclusivity and positive vibes to the fitness space. Today, we'll be covering how to get back to your workouts after being sick, whether or not kettlebell swings are dangerous for your lower back, and what our hopes and dreams are for Achieve Fitness in the next five years. We hope you're excited. Let's get into the show. All right, here we go. We are super excited for today. We've got some really good questions. And I'm glad that this is a podcast and not a video because I'm currently sitting with a broken nose from my flag football game this weekend. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a little bit of a bruise and a little black eye, but nothing too serious. Unfortunately, unfortunately, it was all for naught because lost in the championship oh, game. So depressing. Uh, I play in an all-women's full-contact flag football league, um, and I've been playing for the last seven years. And our team is almost always, like, out of that seven years, I think five years, this is our fifth year making it to the Super Bowl. So we're always really good, and we've still never won. <laughs> yeah, we're, yeah, they were officially worse than the Buffalo Bills uh, so in sad. the Boston Women's Flag Football League. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway... Well, the show must go on. So. <laughs> um, so let's get into our first question. First one is from Jackie, who's a former achiever who just moved out to Denver. We miss we dearly. Um, she asked, if you've been sick for a week or two and have been unable to work out or do much of anything, how would you recommend that individual get back into their regular exercise routine? Should they start where they left off or gradually return to where they were previously? So great question. Um, this, I think, can go one of two ways, and it sort of depends on who you are, what your goals are, and what you're working toward. So for the most part, if you're somebody who is working on a fitness routine for general health and general fitness, we would say ease back in. Mm-hmm. We would say really take it slow, use just kind of general common sense as in terms of like, does something make you feel worse? Does something make you feel better? And, and really gradually ease back into the workouts. And the only way we would say maybe that's not the case is if you're somebody who's training for something very specific. So maybe a powerlifting meet or an Olympic lifting meet, something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're, if you're just, you know, generally training just for fitness and general fitness goals, we definitely recommend you just ease back in. Um, even if this is like not even sickness, but just like you're coming back from a work trip from a, or from a vacation or from just a little stint out for an injury or whatever, um, it might be. Um, I think a lot of people have it in their heads that they've been following this sort of program and they feel like as soon as they can get back into the gym, they have to jump right back to what they were doing before. If you take a step back and actually think about that, then you know how ridiculous it is at, at, as it sounds. Um, but we have quite a bit of that um, whenever someone's coming back from a vacation or from a sickness or whatever. They're like, no, I have to do this. Otherwise, it feels like I'm going backwards. And you can rest assured that you can take your time easing back into the gym and you'll be much better in the long run for it. The most recent uh, work trip we had, I think we were out for four or five days and I had to cut my weights about 50% for that entire week because I was I was so drained and I was so out of it. But had I tried to push past that and try to get to weights that I was using the week prior, it probably would have led to injury or some sort of... Um, some sort of a strain. What happens is we forget to think really long-term with a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. So we see that we have a program and it's four weeks long and we're supposed to do this on Monday and this on Tuesday and this on Thursday. And we get so attached to those days and to doing everything right 
that we forget that this is just one program of the thousands that you might do in your life, right? <laughs> and so if you end up kind of falling off of this one, you can go back a week and start, start like regress a little bit um, and start back at week two, even if you were about to go into week three. And, and be okay with that. Just allow yourself to have that, that time to fully recover so that you're not continuing to stress your body because when you're sick, your body is overly stressed. And then adding more physical stress, stress to your body will make it even more difficult to recover. So allow for that time for your body to bring that stress level down and then you will, we promise you'll, you'll get right back <laughs> to where you are in no time. Yeah. And if you're looking at competing in some, some sort of like powerlifting meet or Olympic weightlifting meet, um, you might want to consider um, recalibrating your weights. So let's say you're on a 16-week program and you get sick in week eight. You don't want to go ahead and jump right into week nine's weights. You might want to jump in and go to week five or six's weights. And then you'll have to calibrate accordingly from there. Um, but it, it, you, you definitely don't want to strive for certain numbers just to hit them, just to hit a certain meat weight. Um, you want to think of it from a longevity standpoint and how you can continue on with your powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting or whatever sport it might be in your career. Cool. Hope that helps, Jackie, and anybody who's ever been sick, which is everyone. <laughs> um, so let's move on to question number two. So this is from Dave. He emailed us a question. Um, he said, recently, I listened to a podcast featuring Charles Poliquin, and he stated that kettlebell swings are dangerous to your discs, regardless of how good your form is and should never be performed. You guys obviously use kettlebell swings in your workouts, and I was wondering if you could speak to whether you feel they are safe on your back and discs, if you see any injuries from these exercises in your facility, and whether or not there are any studies out there regarding the safety of kettlebell swings. <laughs> all, that, all that ringing in the background was diesel. We typically put him in our bedroom for recording, but we're going to... Let's actually do that right now. <laughs> diesel, all right, pause. And we're back, and diesel's now snuggling in our bed. <laughs> um, okay, so this is... I listened to the podcast. This is with uh, Tim Ferriss and Charles Poliquin. Charles Poliquin, if you don't know, he is a just a world-renowned strength coach. Um, back in the 90s and 2000s, if you talk about strength coaches, he's probably going to be um, one of the first three names that comes out of your mouth. Um, he has worked with a bunch of Olympians, a bunch of um, professional athletes from all major sports organizations. So he's clearly a high-level coach. Um I was disappointed to hear this because it is such a broad blanket statement that's saying that kettlebell swings are bad for your back, period, instead of having any sort of um, modifying statement with that saying if you're not prepared, then it can be very dangerous. But if you're adequately prepared, kettlebell swings are going to be great for your back. Um, we looked into a couple studies um, put on by Dr. Stuart McGill. He is a spine biomechanic biomechanist, um, PhD out of uh, Canada, I think University of Waterloo. And this is his entire career to analyze spines and figure out what makes them break or bulge or herniate or whatever it might be, and figure out how we can prevent injuries and um, how to deal with them. And he ran an extensive study with kettlebell swings, actually, um, with Pavel Tsatsouline, who founded Strong First. And what they found was that as long as the person is adequately prepared, Kettlebell swings are not only not harmful for your back, but they're also beneficial for back safety. And Stuart McGill has written a few articles for Strong First um, uh, in, in favor of kettlebell swings. There is one small part of the study that people seem to be picking up on in terms of kettlebell back safety. And it's, it's a part where they say that 
posterior shearing forces are greater relative to compressive forces on the spine. So compressive forces are, let's say you have a barbell on your back and your spine is being compressed. That's, what, that's an example of a compressing force. The shearing force is on the upswing when the kettlebell is coming back from behind you to in front of you, that's where the shearing force is happening. And they're saying that there's a higher relative posterior shearing force on your spine relative to compressive ones. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the, the weight is behind you and then you're hiking it forward to bring it out in front of you. And although there is more posterior shearing force involved with the swing, if you're adequately prepared for it, that means you'll also be prepared in life whenever you might experience some sort of posterior shearing force. So it's not like these forces are bad. It's only if you're not prepared for them and you load them repetitively. So at Achieve with our members, we make sure that they are properly hinging properly and they're also deadlifting properly. And then after a few months of training with um, getting their core right, getting their breathing and their mechanics right, we might introduce a kettlebell swing. But just saying that kettlebell swings are bad for your back across the board when there are so many, just a multitude of benefits to it is, um, is, is just not a very thought out answer in my, in our, um, line of thought. Yeah, absolutely. That's, uh, that's a perfect, I think, recap of, of those, the study too. And I think what you said about how we take our time with our members is really mm -hmm. important. Like we don't usually teach a swing for a few months down the road. So we are, but we're preparing people, like Jason kept saying, we're preparing people to be able to do it. And the reason that we want to prepare them to be able to do it is because it does have all these benefits. It's um, amazingly similar to things that you might do in life. And so we want to make sure that, but if you just, if we just said, go, go do a kettlebell swing mm -hmm. and somebody didn't really know what we were looking for asking of them, then they may injure their back because they just have seen one person do it and are trying to mimic it as opposed to we're training their bodies to learn these movements and to really learn them, not just to look at them and try to copy it, but to actually be able to perform them. And there we start with a hip hinge, then we go on to a deadlift, then we practice just the hiking back motion of the swing to practice having being able to maintain a, a neutral spine during that motion so we really really break it down which is why we haven't seen any injuries or, or repercussions of doing kettlebell swings with our members right he, he even went on we recommend not listening to the interview because he even went on to saying that a goblet squat is a moronic exercise and if you get any sort of training effect out of it from your legs you're probably in a wheelchair so what <laughs> I, I didn't listen to it, obviously. I, I told Lauren not to listen to it just so I can get a reaction oh out of her. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. <laughs> um, but obviously he's just trying to create some sort of rise or some sort of a, like, I don't know, whatever it might be. But just to demonize these exercises and also just make such ridiculous statements is uh, is ludicrous. <laughs> no words, no words really left to say about this. Yeah, so. so. All right, well, I do hope that helps, Dave. And hopefully if you were kind of figuring out between like, should you do them or not? It's not just a yes or no answer. Like we said, like we don't think that anybody should just pick up a kettlebell and start swinging, but we do think that there are huge benefits if you learn them the right way. Obviously going through a strong first certification or a user course where they actually break every everything down step mm -hmm. by step is going to, you know, you're going to be able to learn these movements and be able to do them properly and actually feel the benefits from them. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Let's move on to our final question. This one comes from Kelsey, who is an achiever and she's been with us for probably... Over three years now, yeah. right? Kels, Kels has been with us for a while. Um, Kels. 
Yay. And she asked Jason, I think just during a training session, right? Yeah. She said, now that your fifth year anniversary of Achieve is coming up, what are your hopes and dreams for the next five years? It's a cool question. It's a great question. <laughs> and I already can't believe that it's been five years. I know. Five years. <laughs> it's crazy. We still, all the pictures start coming up on my like memories app or whatever of like, this is when we were doing our build out. So I keep getting pictures of us like struggling to put in the turf and painting the wall blue and all these things. <laughs> and it feels like yesterday. doesn't feel like it was five years ago. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the first five years, it was all just to get to the end of five years at the minimum, I guess. Um, I mean, I think there's a staggering rate of small businesses failing within the first three years, and we can totally see why that's the case. Yeah. Um, but everything was based upon um, just learning as much as we could from our mentors, Modern um, Results Fitness, um, from other top gyms in the uh, in the world, so like Cressy Performance and Mike Boyles and Exos and all these different places, and trying to pick and choose which ones and what, like which advice would be most applicable to, to our situation and we would sort of modify it for our setting. So we've had quite a bit of people helping us out in terms of all that from an advice standpoint. Um, and I guess moving on into the next five years, what we're hoping and envisioning is that now we can start to also pave the way in terms of how training and nutrition and fitness business and all that is being handled in the um, in, in the field right now. Yeah, I mean, we... we now see that we're well now we're so lucky that we're in a position where we have a staff of 12 I think mm -hmm. um who are some of the best coaches in the country and I'm not just saying that to exaggerate we have incredible incredible coaches and we have an incredible manager we have incredible front desk staff I mean we just are so so lucky that the gym is running seamlessly right now because of the support that we have from from everybody who's there that Jason and I can now step back and say like okay now how can we push this forward even more because right right now everything that we envisioned when we sat down and wrote our business plan has happened so mm -hmm. right and like it's happening and so now we have to sit back and say like okay well we're not comfortable being comfortable. Like, we don't <laughs> like that. So what's next? And so we've been spending a lot of time behind the scenes working out like, okay, what are the, how are, how can we help more people? Because right now we have a gym that's 6,000 square feet and that's what we have to work with in terms of, you know, how many people we can actually bring in the doors and, and help in person. So now how do we bring that further out into the, into the industry? And how do we bring what we're doing at Achieve further out beyond just the doors of Achieve and the four walls of Achieve? So we've been, you know, focusing a lot on social media and trying to get good information, good training information out there, because right now a lot of social media is unfortunately a lot about like who looks best without their shirt on and that's not really helping anyone. And so we're trying to do things that are more helpful to the general public that are kind of just allowing people to see that, they could go on this fitness, excuse me, they could go on this fitness journey themselves and that they can, they should feel comfortable going out and, and working out and going to the gym. And I think that's where we're um, putting a lot of our emphasis right now is on how can we make people everywhere around the world feel more comfortable in this fitness environment? Yeah. So yeah, so from an external standpoint, we're definitely focusing a lot on our just marketing and branding in general. So that's why we have our our videos on YouTube and Facebook and our Instagram posts and our podcasts as well as our blog. So just putting it out there in as many mediums as possible. Um, from an internal standpoint, we're really looking to 
develop our staff as much as possible and in the future um, get an internship um, program uh, moving forward. Mm -hmm. So we just want everyone that is involved with Achieve Fitness in any sort of like faculty type way already have a leg up on other people in terms of um, what their resume would look like. So when we when we're looking to hire people, we're always looking at have they had an internship somewhere at a prestigious um, place, and that's always been a much more driving factor than someone just having a degree in kinesiology because we want to make sure that um, people understand how to work with people in a real life setting. And um, some of these places like Cressy's and Boyles, they really set you up well to do that. And we want to make sure that Achieve Fitness is also um, brought up in that same conversation. And then lastly, even though we think we're doing a pretty good job of our training sessions and our programs and our classes, we can always continue to improve that as well as our customer experience. So we're going to continue to refine these systems as much as possible. So we're continuing to deliver the best information and training and cutting edge stuff, cutting edge stuff possible because a lot of businesses end up becoming complacent. (laughs) A lot of businesses end up becoming complacent and comfortable and we just don't want to be in a position five years from now where we're sort of still using the same tactics that we did five, the five years prior. We want to make sure that we're continuing to lead the charge and innovate as much as possible with the help of our team. And we're excited to do so. So excited. Five more years is going to fly by. So. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> we did just sign our, we signed a um, extension on our lease for another five years. So yep. we're at least definitely going to be in that space. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we're, we're pretty open to also the idea of like our vision changing a little bit. And we, we've always been open yeah. to the idea of like, sure, we have this thing in mind that we want to do, but then if you know, if things change and life changes and our staff changes, like we're cool with switching directions and kind of maneuvering around our situation and the situation of the gym. So it's really hard to say like exactly what we hope will happen in five years, but I think that's a pretty good broad generalization of where we feel like we're going. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, I think that'll do it for today. Thank you so much for the awesome questions. Really appreciated it. Uh, Please subscribe to us on, we're available on all the major uh, podcasting platforms. And if you could really leave a rating and review on iTunes, we'd really appreciate it. It would help us out a lot if this helped you out in any way. Please send us any questions that you might have on either Instagram DM or Facebook message or podcast at achievefitnessboston.com. And that's about it for this episode. So until next time, peace, love, and muscles. muscles.